Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we have a very special guest with us today, Adel Rafai from Hello from the Magic Tavern. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, so for any of our listeners who might not know you or any of your shows, I guess, why don't you tell us about yourself, uh, what you do, how people might know you, and then maybe if you want to tell us how you got into tabletop gaming. Absolutely. So yeah, again, my name is Adel Rafai. Um, I am in Chicago, Illinois. I'm a improv performer, teacher, uh, improv corporate trainer, and podcaster. Uh, as you mentioned, I do a podcast called Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is a improvised fantasy uh, world show. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people call us a D&D podcast, but we're really not. Um, yeah. We play a version of D&D called Offices and Bosses, which is more akin to just <laughs> playing uh, employees in a, in a regular nine to five office. Um, uh-huh. That's pretty good. But it's basically the conceit is that a guy falls into a magical portal behind a Burger, Burger King. He ends up in sort of a Narnia-esque world. And versus going on high adventure and, and uh, defeating evil, he kind of sets up shop in a tavern and just interviews people, interviews magical beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, my friend Arnie. There's also two co-hosts he has. One is Usador the Wizard, played by my friend Matt. And I play Chunt the Shapeshifter, who's usually in the form of a badger. There you go. Uh, And I also, I'll do one other quick plug. Uh, I have another podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle. Yes. Which is um, me and two co-hosts trying to solve riddles and puzzles and doing improvised scenes along the way. Yeah. And uh, I was was telling you before we started recording that I actually listened to a bit of Hello from the Magic Tavern Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And um, it wasn't didn't really resonate with me, but what what a great sell for the podcast. <laughs> well, that's not, no, it's 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 a hugely popular podcast. Uh, I've heard great things about it. Just I don't know, it wasn't really what I was looking for at the time. But Hey Riddle Riddle is I love it. It is one of the one of my highest recommendations of podcasts I can give at the moment. Oh, awesome! Thank so, you so much. Uh, so yeah, so that one that one is is so much fun. Um, I this is a, a gonna be a weird little story, but. I have family that lives in Chicago, mm-hmm. and one of them told me that a while ago that he worked with one of the people from Hello from the Magic Tavern. And around when I started trying to contact the Hey Riddle Riddle hosts, you guys trying to see if any of you wanted to be on this show, I was hoping, because I, I didn't wasn't sure who my, my brother-in-law was talking about, I was hoping that it was going to turn out that it was you, mm-hmm. because then I could, that would be a good icebreaker for having you on the show but then it turned out no it was matt so oh nice <laughs> uh, so instead of having a good icebreaker i have a real bad icebreaker <laughs> an ice maker yes exactly yeah. it's a deep freeze. um yeah, yeah sure. yes. so so uh, i just want to say uh hey riddle riddle is a lot of fun it, i i love listening to it you guys have have really gotten me to realize that most riddles are awful yeah i think it was funny in terms of when we first started uh people were like uh, less improv and more riddles. Like I'm listening to this because I want to solve riddles and puzzles. Yeah. And then after two or three episodes, people kind of got what the the concept was, and they're mm-hmm. like, "No more riddles, just do improv." <laughs> <laughs> so right. it's just funny that there's been a flip. And and yeah, we've we've um, we've done 52 episodes so far, and uh, boy, we are running out of riddles. So so I think <laughs> right. there's 10. I think there's been 10 good riddles in the history of mankind. Yeah, and we've like we've that. done those ten, and now we are just uh, seeing what else we can find. Right. Oh goodness. But that's the yeah. fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so thank you so much for being on the show again. Like for our yeah, listeners, for please me. go and listen to "Hello from the Magic Tavern" and "Hey Riddle Riddle." 
they're great. So check those out, and we're we're super excited to have you on the show. Jeff, how are you doing today? Uh, oh, I'm 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 fine. <laughs> Thanks for noticing that Sorry. I was here. <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing all right. Um, uh, I got a I got a and uh, D session coming up where I'm going to be the DM where I which I've you know I don't do I don't do mm-hmm. DMing so I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous but also very excited because uh, I think I'm getting to the end of my like like I don't want to play I don't want to be a player anymore. Oh yeah, like I've just I've gotten a lot of really bad player habits that i can't seem to shake so i'm yeah, like you know yeah. what i need to switch it up dm for a while and maybe that'll kind of you know like that'll kind of level me out as a player <laughs> so so we'll, we'll see how that goes yeah um i'm currently off of work this week mm-hmm. so i'm trying to find ways to use this week as best as possible i'm gonna try to get some of our uh patreon stuff done this month like i need to write some write some of my fiction i'm gonna try to do our roll 20 game this week mm-hmm. um try to I'm going to, I have, so for our listeners, we said back in January that we were going to start a couple other podcasts because I was on break in January oh, right. too. And that blew up in my face because I have been busier than I have ever been in my entire life for the last six months. Sure. And I'm, I'm going to try to get some of that stuff uh, in order this week. So yeah. I guess, I guess stay tuned. Adel, um, I wanted to ask, how did you get into tabletop gaming? What sort of oh, yes. games have you played? What games are you playing currently? And so on. Um, so I got into D and D very, uh, very late in life. Um, my my sort of mentor in improv was a, a gentleman named Jason Chin, okay. who is also um, turned out to be one of my best friends and also my roommate for a period of time. So he was very much into all all the role playing games and everything. So I think when I was around I don't know twenty six or twenty seven, he introduced me to my first game of D and D, and that was my first intro. In my first entree into <laughs> tabletop gaming, mm-hmm. um, I played up until that point. I had played some amount of like Catan, or I mean, just like Battlestar Galactica, or some sort of loose, you know, board games. Uh, but that was my first sort of immersive tabletop role playing game. Okay, uh, that, that he DM'd. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, since then, I've only been I so I've been a part of two campaigns. I'm currently in a campaign that's been going for about three years. Oh wow, good um, job. That's that's all improviser. So that's been a, a an absolute joy. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, before that, before that, I guess in high school and in grade school, <laughs> not because of my parents or anything, but I think D and D was always viewed as like there's always the whispering that it was like you know, the devil's playground. So sure, or, sure. I, I think there there's that stigma lingering in in my small town. Uh, Kiwani USA. So, so I, I always, uh, just, just never got into it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems to be fairly common. Um, Jeff and I, we met through D and D basically in high school, but, yeah. uh, um, yeah, I, I, just, I think it's great. I think it's great for bringing people together and, uh, and I would love to, to play with more improvisers, I guess. Cause you know, like I'm not super great at, at role playing, um, I'm not going to make any comments about Jeff, but I, I can imagine what sort of, of ways he would describe his ability to role play. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, there have been a couple times where I have had the chance to play with people who have a lot of acting um, experience and such. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's definitely a different, a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, I can't imagine at this point playing without improvisers. The game mm-hmm. I currently play in has JPC from Hey Riddle Riddle. Yeah. Um, it also has, uh, a guy named T.J. Jagodowski, who's cons- considered the best improviser of all time. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so it's just like a really—it's it, not—it's not necessarily intimidating, but it's just like you 
you almost become a I, I I myself almost become like a passive observer because I'm just so in awe of like the the brains that are at play. Sure, but it's uh, but I yeah, at this point I can't imagine being um, being a part of a group that doesn't have improvisers in it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, do you guys have anything else, or you want to go ahead and jump into uh, this episode? Let's jump into it. All right. So I want the two of you to imagine that you are in a tavern. I do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> and a a spooky individual in a cloak comes up. Is this man in a cloak a pervert? <laughs> <laughs> That'll help uh, me in terms of what I do next. Or... Well, roll, roll me a d20. <laughs> okay, that's a 13. Okay. Uh, you think he is, in fact, a pervert? And uh, what do you do? <laughs> uh, I stand up, pull out a chair, and offer him to sit down. <laughs> okay. And invite oh, him my. to my table. He, he he sits down, <laughs> and I say, "Are you selling anything, you pervert?" <laughs> uh, well, yes, I have this map, and it goes mm. somewhere mysterious. <laughs> Ooh, it's got how much for this mysterious map? Uh, I will sell it to you for five gold pieces. <laughs> and is that a euphemism? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it, is, it is if you want it to be. <laughs> All right. He uh, he gets scared. He tosses down the map and runs away. And oh, you guys uh, look down and you see that it is a map to the Dragon's Horde. Dang pervs always carrying around. <laughs> I feel like pervs always have the best stuff. <laughs> So, Adel, that should be an indication of what it is like to play with someone who is not an improviser. Right, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love the idea of, of playing a D&D game where every single time you start to speak, you're like, ah, oh, where was I going with this? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's... I I draw my sword and I, ah, oh boy, where was I going with this? <laughs> when I was editing I last attack? week's episode, right? <laughs> I actually did have the thought to myself, wow, how many episodes in a row have I had a half-formed idea and then I outright stated that I didn't know where I was going with that. And I I committed to myself that I would not do that anymore. And here we are. And here we are. So I guess listeners join us next week. At this point, it's just like it's a running (laughs) gag, you know? I guess, yeah. Okay, so uh, Adel, you had an item for us to discuss in the Dragon's Horde today, is that correct? Yeah, so I came up with an item. I, I be, Again, because I've only played two campaigns in my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, equaling, I don't know, three and a half years of, of play. Sure. Um, I don't know if this is an existing item or if, if this is like going to be laughable, but what I came up with is an item called the Pilfering Prick. <laughs> okay. What it is, is it's a tiny dagger. It's a one-inch blade. And... Um, what you can do is uh, whoever uh, is the owner of it, uh, whoever has you know uh, their their fingerprints on the handle, they can stab someone with it, and when they stab some uh, an enemy with it, it doesn't have to be an enemy, but if they stab anyone with it or cut someone with the blade, um, they are able to uh, have a chance to steal information that they would like from them. Hmm. So this hmm. blade not only cuts the flesh, but it also cuts into. Uh, memory or or the soul interest so say say you have someone you've captured someone who has information in terms of like where a villain might be residing somewhere in this world but they're tight-lipped they're not able to uh, they're not spilling the beans as it were and you have no other way to to interrogate them or to draw information out of them mm-hmm. if you stab them with this knife or cut them with this knife um, you have a 50 50 chance of drawing out that information 
Uh, you would roll a d20. If it was a 10, per se, you would get a vague, blurry um, grasp on this information. If it were a natural 20, you'd get the outright information, as it were. Mm-hmm. If it were a 1 through 10, um, I think what would be fun is that you get something you were not expecting. So perhaps you get a traumatic memory from this person's childhood. <laughs> sure. <laughs> perhaps you get like a, a pain in your knee that you didn't have before that they had, and now you've taken it on. Um, but I just thought it would be funny to, to just have a sort of 50-50 chance to be able to draw out information um, and, and possibly get stuck with some qualities that you were not uh, looking to inherit. So it, mm. it, w- it would be something you would not use daily, yeah. but in a, in a, uh, painted in a tight corner, you might uh, be drawn to drastic mes- measures. And that's a pilfering prick. <laughs> that's really interesting. I could just imagine a, like a stab happy rogue or something like that, like just kind yeah. of pricking everybody. <laughs> and then they end up with like several personalities because they've taken yeah. all on these like extra memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking, what if there was someone who like someone was dying and mm. their loved ones had no way to like, they, there was no way that they were going to be able to, they, 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 I needed something to hang on to from this loved one that was going to die. And so one of them stabs the dying person with this prick in the hopes of taking some of their qualities. Sure. So then they can in Hmm. some way live on as that person. (laughs) Yeah. And again, it could be like a real, uh, real roll of craps where it could be just like that. You suddenly remember a book they read or something. (laughs) You remember like a, a terrible, uh, a, a terrible time on the toilet you had. Like it's, it could be, it's a real grab bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one time they ate Thai and Taco Bell in the same day. Yeah. And it's like, oh no. Taco, Taco Bell. Taco yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah, no, I think that's really cool. And I, I'm trying to think of like ways that it could be used both as the players and against the players. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mm-hmm. players, they know someone that has like a secret that they don't want anybody to, to learn. Like the, the players have a secret and then one of them gets kidnapped and then the bad guys stab them with this dagger mm. in hopes of getting that secret from them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, the, the concept was if you have an idea of what you want to draw out of them, mm-hmm. that's one half of the coin. Okay. Uh, and then the other half of the coin is an absolute, uh, any. it could be anything from their from their uh, history of, of time on this world or any sort of like... Um, uh, like I said, like a, a, a physical flaw or something, something along those lines. Sure, sure. Hmm. Um, it reminds me of there was a, uh, or at least the 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 bottom half of that coin reminds me of in third edition D anD D. There was this this book where you had uh, information on playing as monster characters, like player player characters that are monsters. And there was hmm. one of them where it was for illithid characters, like mind flayers, who like suck out Ooh, people's yeah. brains. And one of the abilities that they got was a certain number of times throughout your lifetime, you could like suck out some, a creature's brain and gain an ability they had. Mm-hmm. In a, in a way, it kind of reminds me of that, and kind of like kind of like what I was saying. Also, kind of like what Jeff was saying. I'm I'm picturing like a character that has this dagger and has yeah. killed so many people with it that, or just stabbed so many people with it that, at some point, they have just become this like walking mass of personalities, and they don't know which one is them and which one yeah. is the things they've taken from other people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it becomes like a, what is it, United States of Terror or whatever that um, <laughs> oh. TV show is, where it's like it's almost like bordering on a schizophrenic personality. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of that. I didn't know what that was about, though. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. 
Okay. I think it was like Tony Collette playing someone who had like eight people within her and the personalities who've come out at different times. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that, that kind of idea. But I just, I love the idea of being like, well, we can either get the combination to this safe or I might be slightly afraid of ladders. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, at the DM's discretion, it would be such a playful sure, um, sure. tool to deploy. There's like the, there's the show, uh, what, uh, I Zombie, where like, the girl, the woman who becomes a zombie, and mm-hmm. then she works at a morgue, and so she eats the brains of all and, the people uh, at the morgue. But then yeah, she yeah. takes on the uh, like personalities of the of the ones she eats. Sure. Oh, interesting. Now here's a question, Adel: Does the original person still have that knowledge or trait? Um, let's say they don't. Okay. So it is you are you yeah. are literally stealing it from them. Ooh. Yeah, so it's not like dipping into like a pensieve or something mm-hmm. in, in the Harry Potter world sure. where you, you can just see the memory and then you have it as well. It's it's you you alleviate uh, that from them, so they would no longer have that memory at all. Okay, mm. yeah, I really like that. I think that's or that's that a really cool. Or whatever that means. And it could also be. I mean, it, w- with that, if we go that route, I think that makes it more interesting in terms of if one of the people in your party has. Um, uh, is is poisoned or something or has some sort of ailment you can stab them to try and take on that burden oh, if you feel like yeah. you are better equipped to you're a more sort of staunch stout better constitution uh, uh you know a race or whatever that is yeah. that you'd be able to stab them to try and take away what what ails them um and carry that burden yourself that's really a real martyr yeah oh my god this, this is just like tr- like a transfer of diseases inside of it yeah <laughs> like it was just a, just like a dirty is, are you sure this isn't a dirty needle like what is oh what? that i'm so sorry that's what it is what did i say yeah it's a dirty needle it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, crap yeah yeah when you inject it you you have wild dreams and uh, visions yeah heroin dirty needle sure okay yeah no that's that's really cool i think there's a lot of uh, a lot of potential with that i accidentally bumped into gabe and now i have his uh his 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 sweet tooth for uh for soda like <laughs> oh no that means i don't have it uh-huh. <laughs> uh quick question adel and there is a correct answer what is the best soda <laughs> oh boy i mean i gotta be true to myself and say root beer mm, okay i mean root beer is <laughs> pretty what good what was the right answer the right answer is RC Cola. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. That's always it's always the one that everybody dunks on. Right. But yeah, non unironically, I th- I love RC Cola. It's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't make six figures a year. Of Royal Crown Cola. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Can, we can't all afford that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. It's the expensive one. Right. <laughs> no. Not the uh, Farmer Jack brand or whatever. Oh yeah, Ar- AC Cola, America's Choice. We called it Armor Class Cola back when I was a kid. Uh, a kid. I mean, when I was right. twenty years old, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say like real. <laughs> wasn't right. that long ago. Uh, do you guys have anything else for uh, for the this one? I'm sorry. What was the what was it called again? The pilfering the pilfering prick. prick. Okay. Pilfering. I was gonna say the penetrating prick, and that's it's a bit different. That's, that sounds like something else entirely. Yes. All right. So that was the pilfering prick from Adel. Thank you so much, Adel. Um. That'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. Jeff, if anybody wanted to submit Dragon's Horde items for us or stories for the funeral pyre or questions for us to discuss, how would they get those to or us? Or intros for the Dragon Horde. Or intros for the Dragon's Horde. Please, <laughs> please submit some intros for the Dragon's Horde. Yeah, we'll use those for we, sure. Well, actually, here's the thing. We do have a couple intros that people have submitted, but oftentimes when somebody submits an intro, they also submit an item that goes along with it. Oh, sure. In, and in this case, yeah. You, usually when I when I am getting stuff together for an episode, like even when it's just the two of us, I, I usually have like an idea of what sort of stuff we're going to talk about and I try to 
try to keep everything along a theme, kind of. And so it doesn't always... I can't always use the Dragon's Horde intros just immediately. I sometimes have to wait for, like, the perfect episode. Sure. So... Anyway, but yes, please, please submit us some, yeah. some generic Dragon's Horde intros. Right. That would be great. And you can do that by emailing us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. There you go. You can also submit them on our Discord. Right, on our interparty Discord. Uh, and then there's what, bit.ly slash... Slash interparty Discord. Yeah, okay. No punctuation, no mm-hmm. capitals. Or you can submit them on Twitter and use the hashtag, here comes the pervert. <laughs> oh, no. I, I guess that works, too. <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I, I don't want to see that trending. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Adel, do you want to tell our listeners once again um, about your stuff, where they can find you, anything else you've got going on? Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter at Adelrify, uh, on Instagram at Adelrify. That's A-D-A-L-R-I-F is in Frank A-I. Again, I do the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle. Cool. I do want to tell everybody that our show is brought to you by our wonderful patrons. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We've got uh, some cool stuff on there for patrons. We've got uh, outtakes. We have fantasy fiction that I write every month. We have a monthly bonus podcast. We've got uh, uh, a Roll20 game that's going to be going on this week. So actually, by the time this episode goes out, it will have already passed. We'll also, if you're the top tier, I will write about your character for our monthly fantasy fiction. Very cool. That's a lot of cool stuff. Yes, thank you. Do you mind if I mention for Hey Riddle Riddle, we also have a Patreon. Go for it. uh, Patreon, if you want to join that. Sure. It's... uh, Patreon.com slash Hey Riddle Riddle. So if you enjoy the show, we do uh, bonus episodes every Friday. So it's about four extra episodes a month if you want to check that out. There you go. And and again, I can say that Hey Riddle Riddle is one of my favorite podcasts right now. Mm-hmm. So they've got some great uh, some great content. Thank so you. So check them out. Um, and then let me briefly mention the other podcasts on our network. Check out Crit Academy, CritAcademy.com. Justin, Ian, and Brandon create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. Uh, they've written a few books on DMs Guild as well. So go check those out. Also, uh, D&D Character Lab, Garen and Dan make characters every week, pit them against each other, and debate whose character is better. And Brute Force <laughs> and Ignorance is an actual play podcast. They just started a new storyline, so go check mm-hmm. them out. Great stuff all around. Uh, let's yeah. go ahead and get into some questions. I was going to say, I just started listening to their, uh, their new uh, storyline. Oh, yeah. awesome. I actually haven't, actually I haven't li- started listening to that just mm. yet. I've been, because I knew this break was coming up, I kind of wanted to like build up a, a bank of stuff to start listening to once once the break was over uh i think it was uh dan who's playing uh kenku okay and he's uh he's definitely uh he's doing the like he's writing down everybody's phrases and stuff like oh, that that's awesome yeah yeah oh i i hope he got that from us because uh, i think we've mentioned Ma- maybe he they, they do references a, bu- a bunch and i'm like i'm like that's so, it's so weird <laughs> listening to somebody reference um like le- reference us and like what are you what are you doing yeah <laughs> adel um i don't know if you're familiar with the the kenku race um, I'm not. They're they're like a race of bird people, but one of their whole things is that they can't speak. They can only mimic sounds they've heard. Ooh. And we did a, a Roll20 game with that. Jeff was actually running. He did run a short little uh, thing for that. And I was playing a Kenku, and my whole thing was every time someone in, would speak in character, I would write down what they said. And then mm. everything I would say would be quotes from other people, mm. and I would try to mimic their voices whenever I could. Yeah. Oh. So. Yeah, that's, that's cool, but also kind of nightmarish. It, kind of, it's kind yeah, of. It's, it's a very challenging uh, race to play as as a player, but like it's yeah, like it's so it's so funny. It, yeah, it, it, it makes me think of like Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black, where like give me sugar in water. Like <laughs> right. it's like almost speak and spell style. Like I'm cobbling together yeah. words I've heard. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't that's think cool. I don't it's think I could have done it long term, but but uh, it was fun for for a little one off. Mm. Okay, you want to get get into some questions, Jeff? Sure. 
<clears throat> Our first question comes from Happy Gilmore on email, and they ask, Do you know of anyone who has taken improv classes to improve their DMing? If so, was it worth it? Yes, uh, and this is probably a pretty good question for uh, for Adel to take point on. And uh, and Adel, if if I don't recall, if I recall, you are not a DM. So if you want to, however you want to to reword this question for to fit sure. yourself, yeah, Ooh, yeah. So I, I think the way I'm going to interpret it is: is improv uh, is taking an improv class good for D and D play? And I mm. would say, oh, hell's to the yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, uh, again, like I mentioned, like playing with improvisers, I feel like is such a, it, it, it weaves such a rich tapestry where each character has such a, a deep well of a uh, sense of self um, mm-hmm. and such a rich backstory. And it's all stuff where it's it's kind of as the DM kind of moves the pieces on the board and, and sort of navigates uh, our, our group or, or, or surrounds us with uh, obstacles. I feel like it's on the fly. So it's not anything that we kind of conjure at home and then bring in. It's all just um, as as we play that we're able to dip dip into that well of, of uh, uh, made up knowledge. So, yeah, I would mm-hmm. highly recommend an improv class for anyone who's who's very much into D&D or looking to start D&D. Because, yeah, I think it's it's such a wonderful skill set to have to just be able to think on your feet and conjure up whatever uh, ideas you have. And I think it, it also leads to using items in interesting ways and using each other's strengths and weaknesses in interesting ways. And mm-hmm. also, uh, I mean, it's it, the D and D party I'm a part of right now, the campaign I've been in for three years now, it's basically what I look forward to most every week. So we play every Saturday for about three hours and it's, I, I mean, most sessions I, I cry laughing. So it's, um, it also adds such a wonderful levity to, to everything we do in terms of, um, not making it overly serious. Yeah. Mm. Um, when I first started DMing, which was, it was a long time ago. It was like, you know, it was, it was only, I'd only been playing the game for maybe a year. Uh, and I started DMing as out of necessity because the group I was in stopped returning my calls. And then it's like, well, I gotta, I want to keep playing. So I, you know, I introduced my other friends to it and everything. And for a long time, I was a very, very bad DM because I did not, I was as inflexible as you can get. I did not know how to react when a player wanted to do something that I didn't explicitly prepare for yeah. pretty much ev- every time someone would be like, Oh, well I'm going to try this thing. Even if this thing was completely reasonable, I would just be like, Nope, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> that, that thug that someone gave 20 bucks to kill you for, uh, he, um, Nope. He's willing to die to hide the identity of the person who paid him 20 bucks <laughs> just because that's not what I had planned. So right. just doesn't work. Sorry. Sorry. And yeah, it can't can't be overstated how important it is to get out of that mindset. Yeah. Once I started playing with players that not necessarily were like actors or anything, but just were better at improvising. Once I started playing with those types of players, it opened my mind and I was like suddenly I was able to say yes when the players wanted to do something that I didn't plan for. Mm-hmm. I would say yes. And then I would think, okay, well, what would that what would happen? You know, maybe I would think to myself, how could I do what they want, but also keep a little bit of mystery? You know, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. depending on the situation, but it's no fun when everything fails just because the DM didn't plan for it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sounds <laughs> like that's one of my fears for the, the session I got coming up is like, I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be as open as possible. So like, I'm, I'm going to try my 
best to say yes, but yeah. I don't know how well that's going to go. Like, I might have to be like, give me like 10 minutes and I'll come up with something. <laughs> sure. Do you guys, so you guys both DM different campaigns? Well, so um, I, I actually haven't had a game going in, in some time, but uh, for, for many years, like I was, I was a, the DM of our, of whenever we would play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, Jeff has really only DM like that, that one little thing we did on yeah. Rule 20, but he's planning on playing uh, a game coming up or planning on, on DMing a game coming Very up. Very cool. Yeah. The, the DM for my campaign is a guy named Rush Howell who's mm-hmm. uh, one of the most brilliant minds I've, I've ever come across. And he's a, he's a lawyer in real life, but um, oh, wow. he's also just like one of the most talented improvisers that's ever come through Chicago. But he he did something recently. I mean, he's so good at whatever we come up with, he just rolls with. And he just kind of, um, if, he, if we want to do it, as long as we justify how it works or why it would work, he'll allow mm-hmm. it to happen. And he did something recently that really tickled me, which was, we were walking in like a desert and we came across, uh, I think it was like a giant snake who seemed to wish us no harm, no ill will. And in front of the snake was like a glowing chest, like a chest where there was like light seeping out of the cracks. Ooh. And the snake, as we approached, said something about, um, you can ask me two questions about the chest or you can attempt to open it. Or it was this, it was this longer spiel that he went into, uh, Rush playing the snake himself. And after the snake had kind of uh, finished putting forward the options, we just said basically like we're all good and just kept walking. <laughs> and it was something where he like laughed to himself and then was like, great. Like you keep going and that's that. Like instead of being like, no, the walls, you know, like suddenly walls spring up and you're trapped and you, he was just like, yeah, no worries. Like, why would you, if you're unsure of what's in that chest and you don't trust the snake, like why would you stop? You know, so right, yeah. It, yeah. it was such a eye opening moment to me of like a DM just being like, yeah, that was a, that was a blip on the radar. We didn't choose to follow it, but there's, you know, it, it, it's like the Robert Frost theory of like, you know, uh, two, two, two paths in a road diverged and, and you can take either one versus versus sort of a, um, off rails versus on rails, uh, sure, approach, which sure. I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's nothing to say that whatever he had planned for the chest or whatever, he can't like take pieces of that and use it elsewhere. Of you course. Know, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. And that might be a, a, a creature that keeps popping up along the way. Like maybe he'll start to haunt us until we eventually do open it, you know? Um, <laughs> like, but, <laughs> the snake, the snake follows you. He's like, wait, yeah. wait, come back. It was really cool. I'm just a traveling Aww. salesman. Please. I got these knives. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just like the idea of, of uh, to, to me, such a big part of improv that that's not really talked about. Um, mm-hmm. I talk about it in my teachings, but not, not a lot of my teachers told it to me when I was taking improv classes. So much of improv is sacrifice, where it's you come up with this wonderful, brilliant idea. Somebody else says something to where that idea doesn't make sense to say anymore, and you just mm-hmm. let it go. Um, so I feel like Rush, being an expert improviser, brings that to the game, where it's just like, I have an idea of what might happen, but if we don't play into that or if we're not interested, he can immediately shift and, and be malleable to our interests and where where our group feels we should head versus trying to force us into situations where it's like we're stuck in an abattoir leading towards a certain fight or anything. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate that idea of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, I think that, yeah, that that is that seems like key to DMing. Yeah, it, yeah. It like is is to just. Let it go. If the players aren't interested, just let it go. Because yeah. otherwise, you're gonna put them on that railroad, and uh, and they're gonna notice it, and it's not gonna be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And and really, like sacrifice is kind of the idea behind yes and, which is mm. I don't I don't I don't really have any authority to say this, but I feel like it is it is almost like the basis of improv, kind of. Huh. And if, can if, I? So sorry to stop you. Can I see your <laughs> improv uh, badge? 
excuse me, Gabe. Yeah, you have like, no authority to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just, what are your credentials? Yeah. Just because, you know, even in, in a scene, like I've, I've taken a little bit of improv classes, but I'm not mm-hmm. good at it. So um, in, in a scene, when you might have an idea of how you want the scene to go, mm-hmm. but if someone else says something that it goes off in a different direction, the worst thing you can do is say, no, 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 we're going to go with what I was going to do instead. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Gabe, well, well, I was uh, I saw a show of, of Second City once and I thought about what I would say if they called me up and they didn't. So so there <laughs> show me on the doll where Second City oh, no. hurt you, Jeff. <laughs> um, we that's, had that's how I approach movies. Whenever I see a movie, I'm like, if one of the characters were to step out of the screen and pull me into the movie, here's what I do. Purple Rose yeah. of Cairo style. Well, I mean, we're joking, but I think a lot of people do that when watching fiction. They're like, what would I do in this situation? Right, like, yeah. oh, no, don't go through that door. Right, go yeah, this yeah. other way. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had some guests on quite a while ago, and the topic of Im- improv came up. It was back when we had uh, the Hardy Dice Friends on mm-hmm. a couple, like maybe two years ago. Almost. Oh, goodness. And uh, they, at some point in there, I, I had sort of been under the, the, the presupposition. And I think this this question is even asked under the same kind of, uh, of of idea that being a DM is really where the improv has to be. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like a good player should be improvising quite a bit as well. Now, I, I think the argument is that as a player, you are mostly reacting to what mm-hmm. the DM tells you. But whenever I had played with like really good players, I feel like the players are suggesting stuff. They are introducing stuff. They are bringing things out of the game world that might not have even been there in the first place. So I think that for a player, uh, improvising is also very, very important. And I really think taking improv classes could probably benefit all players of of tabletop role-playing games. Absolutely. Yeah, the way I think about it is that as a player in a, in a, um, a RPG is that if you... Um, if you use improv to sort of set filters for your character, that's going to mm-hmm. help dictate how you respond to any given circumstance or conversation or whatever that might be in terms of if I'm, you know, if I'm playing a wood elf, who's like, uh, I believe myself to be very optimistic. And I always see the, the, you know, um, the, the sort of, uh, um, optimistic approach, the idea of if somebody says like, Hey, your pet dog died, right? It's the, the idea of say la vie, you know, I had a good run with him. Uh, so it goes, whatever that is, right? Not mm-hmm. saying that anytime anyone dies or I lose anything that I'm going to be fine about it, but just the idea of you have these filters in place that help dictate how you react and respond um, versus just the idea of every single interaction being a new raw set of nerves or emotions where you might where anything might tumble forth. Sure. Our next question comes from Peter K on email. What are some unwritten customs that you have had in your gaming groups? Yes. And I will say that uh, when Peter K submitted this, he did submit a couple examples of uh, ones from his group. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can get to those if, if we need to. But um, I guess do either of you have any that come to mind? Um, our unwritten custom is that we tend to, um, I mean, we're <laughs> since we're all improvisers or comedians, we tend to have a lot of puns in our game. Okay. So we always we have a lot of runs where um, something gets said or we, we hear the name of like an inn or a tavern or something 
and then we just riff on it for like five minutes until we feel like it's peaked and then we move on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of an unwritten rule is that we're always going to have fun um, brainstorming the best sort of pun. Um, we also have sort of an unwritten rule where we have two um, uh, we have two magic users in our group, and anytime they use magic to defeat an enemy, it's it's un unsaid or or it's it's not sort of uh, written down that this has to be the case. But in the past three years, what happens is they're always going to turn our enemy into a dog, and then we bury them. Um, <laughs> so I think that was started. I think that was started by JPC, where it's just like one time he he defeated someone with whatever spell, magic missile, or whatever, and then he mm-hmm. he transfigured or transmorphed their body into a dog, and then we we buried the dog, knowing that it would turn back into a human in, in an hour or something. But it's it's now become custom that anytime we defeat someone, we turn them to a we turn them into a dog and then bury him. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, that's that's a pretty good one, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know why, but it's just so it's so funny, and it's just it's just become such it's just status quo now. So it's just like we, we right. don't even make a big deal out of it. It just happens. <laughs> you you're walking down the road, and like you see a, like a, a murder happening, and like then they just kind of run off and leave the body there, and you're like, wait, they didn't even turn it into a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of savage how, are they? You know? How gauche. Right. <laughs> but it, it's also been funny a few times where it's like we're burying a, a dead dog who is like some, you know, orc or something. And then like a village person will walk by and it's like, oh, God, we didn't kill this dog. <laughs> you got to believe me. And the villager will run off to be like, you, you know, cruel uh, punishment. You know. Yeah. But animal it's, abusers. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I or, mean, that's. That's kind of a good idea if you want to hide the fact that you killed someone, just make it a dog and mm-hmm. fewer people will be concerned. But then I, I imagine you, you bury a dog and then it the spell wears off and it turns it back into like a human size thing that like displaces the earth that you've buried it in. Yeah. So like, it's, it's already buried. <laughs> it's it's we, done. Who cares? We had, like so, these... so my character in this campaign is a, a wood elf ranger named Angelo Manolo, nice Italian elf. And, um, (laughs) my thing is that I, uh, whoever, uh, I, I, my, my character I describe as like little Nikki meets Violet from the Incredibles. Oh, Um, okay. So like really socially awkward, really shy, but, but unbelievable with a bow and arrow. So his thing is that he, anytime he defeats someone, he takes their eyes. So he has this bag of eyes on his belt. Um, clearly most of those eyes have just turned into like straight up goo (laughs) because eyes don't keep, (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> which I, I find really fun. Um, but he has a thing where um, whenever he uh, goes somewhere, if he turns, he, if, if something turns into like a bet, he'll set one of the eyeballs down on like a shelf or on a, on a tree or something, walk a hundred yards and then bet the person he can't hit the eye right in the center. So that's become like sort of a fun, um, just like a sort of a fun rule in this world is that I'm always going to have an eye to challenge somebody with. And most of the time, whoever I'm challenging is disgusted by the eye and immediately (laughs) gives forth whatever information we were looking for. (laughs) Yeah. They're just sort of off, you know, put off by it so much. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know what? Don't don't worry about the eye. I'll just, Oh, and we also, and I'm also a big, I'm always looking for an animal companion and it, it, it never works out. Um, and recently speak the, the, uh, the displaced dirt where the dog was reminded me of this, where, uh, rush, our DM had a thing where we came across a giant's house and in the giant's yard, there was a cage with two, wolves um mm-hmm. in, a, in a pen kind of stalking around and i wanted to befriend the wolves but we had to get them out of the pen for me to kind of uh, get them to trust me so uh jpc as a magician turned um or as a wizard turned one of the wolves into a uh, mouse so it could slip between the bars 
and we could turn it back in and then gain its trust. But okay. as soon as he turned it into a mouse, the other wolf ate it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we sat there for a while trying to figure out what to do next. And then all of a sudden, uh, oh, Rush no. had the Rush had it where the <laughs> mouse turned back into a wolf and exploded the other wolf. <laughs> oh, no. <That's, laughs> so yeah. then lying in this cage was a dead wolf who had been chewed to death. And then another wolf who had been exploded from the inside out. And I was, oh, no. I think we were just laugh crying for about 10 minutes on that on that move. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, I'm gonna get a new dog. Yeah, but it's every time I get an animal companion, it it dies or it runs away on its own volition, or it, it's just been a a fool's errand so far. But it's it's kind of become. It, I'd kind of be disappointed at this point if I do find a connection with an animal. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Could you imagine being the like investigator that comes across <laughs> that cage? Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those riddles where it's like there's a puddle of water on the floor and somebody's been stabbed to death. Yep, you know, it's like, yep. oh, it was a nice pick. You know, <laughs> Gary Duncan, animal detective. <laughs> uh, clearly, one of these wolves was turned into a mouse, ingested, and then exploded outward. <laughs> I guess yeah, I should yeah. have said pet detective, but that's already a thing. <laughs> <Right. I guess. laughs> sure. The tracks on the floor indicate yeah. that this was a wolf that was, tra- you know, polymorphed <laughs> into a mouse. I'm picturing Humperdinck from the Princess Bride, like like jumping back and forth in the sand, like mimicking the, oh, the yes. motion. A great of the, battle was fought fight. here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so so. Um, back to the question about uh, unwritten customs and such. Um, just one thing with uh, Adel, you were saying that they, you guys, whenever like a pun comes up, you guys spend five minutes just kind of coming up with the perfect, you know, jokes and whatever with the puns. I think yeah. that's great as long as everybody in the group is on board. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, if, if one person in our group was like rolling their eyes, we would stop. But everyone's so game to just be like, let's really deep dive into this. So sure, it becomes sure. a pleasurable experience. But yeah, don't be, if nobody else in your group is into that, don't be the person who does that. Exactly, exactly. I, and, and I love puns, but I'm I'm afforded, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have the people I'm surrounded with enjoy me doing them, I believe, so. <laughs> I, I would hope, yeah. Yeah. They, they like, they either like the puns or they like you a lot. You yeah. Know? <laughs> They're like, all right, we'll let them do this. We'll let it slide. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some sort of, of unwritten customs that we've had. I know that um, I, just things that I personally do, not necessarily things that are part of like the group is I'm always trying to be as much of a team player as possible. I always try to do what I can, like, especially with new players present, I do whatever I can to get the group together and get everything moving because I know as a DM, it is frustrating when the party just will not be in the same room together. They like mm-hmm. keep finding other things for their characters to do that make it difficult to just get things moving. Yeah. So I, I always try to do that myself. I always try to bring something to drink or like snacks or whatever if I can. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we, it's not necessarily like a rule, but we, we would often have, we would, you know, either bring snacks or try to make arrangements for like pizza or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, there are different little like, yeah, pregame ritual sort of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, what were some of, uh, what was it? Peter's, uh. Suggestion? Oh yeah, so so Peter K when he submitted this, um, he had a few. He said if there is a total new player in the group, the DM buys that player a dice set. Oh, Ooh. which I think is actually really cool. Yeah, that's wonderful. I I have a lot of dice, so I'm always um, that's I guess that's another thing about me. I'm I'm always willing to let people just hey, you need to use some dice here. I've got mm. I've got like thirty times as many dice as I need. Yeah. Um, I would I think that would be really cool. I don't know if I would ever do that unless I felt like the player would be there for more than one session. Sure. I just feel like, you know, there have been too many times where somebody plays once or twice and then 
doesn't play anymore. Well, isn't most of your dice from people who like were just first time player bought a set of dice and then <laughs> and just then left, left it, it at, at my house? house. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the case. <laughs> Never saw them again. <laughs> hasn't happened in a while. It's like New Year's resolution of like getting a gym membership, working out for two weeks, and then being like, "Nah, I'm lazy." Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> um, and then another one that Peter said is that generally speaking, the DM should be the host. And I don't. The more I think about that, it's not necessarily something that I would call a rule, but it seems to just about always be the case. Mm-hmm. I figure like most the DM is going to be, be the one who's got like most of the books and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know. The, yeah. I think it's also if they're putting in the work and the effort and the energy and the time yeah. that the least you can do is like Uber to their place versus making them go somewhere else. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's like when, when you're hosting a party at your house, you might have to, you, end, you end up doing some of the work, too, because you got to, like, set up the table and chairs or something like that. Yeah, but, that's yeah. fair. I'm lucky yeah. enough that uh, Rush, the, the guy who D- DMs our game, is uh, <laughs> he has a, a penthouse um, condo on Lakeshore hmm. Drive in Chicago. OK. Oh, so wow. he <laughs> he's a uh, millionaire to some degree. So he has a beautiful place. Whereas the rest of us live in squalor, so it's it's <laughs> it's <laughs> become a very nice thing where we can just like enjoy the beautiful cityscapes from his his penthouse as we play. Um, sure. So I think he realizes he he probably has the nicest place. <laughs> um, I played with a player a long time ago that was he was an investment banker, and we didn't play at his place, but like he would always he like when we first started playing, he bought a set of the books for himself and a set of the books just for the group to use. Mm. Oh, wow. He would always spring for pizza you would refuse if anybody like offered to pay for it mm. um so that's that that is that is always nice uh <laughs> sounds like a power move that, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, maybe maybe he was actually the one that butted head with, heads with the dm all yeah. the time yeah, like <laughs> i have to keep myself from doing stuff like that because like any anytime i got any like i got any sort of like savings going i'm like ah, i'm doing all right right now yeah i'm gonna spend it on all my friends <laughs> and then just be like shoot where did it all go Ooh, I guess, can i ask yeah. you guys this is not really a uh on point but a bit of a lateral move can i ask you guys a question sure mm-hmm. we just bought as a gift for our dm we just bought him a dice tower Okay. And so we've only used it once or twice. What, how, what are your guys' thoughts on dice towers? Because we're, we're using it, but we're also like, yeah, it's, I think it's just easier to roll. Yeah. But do you find, I, I don't know what the purpose um, of those are. I personally think they are purely decorative. Like yeah. they're, they're, or at least in the groups I've been in, they would be purely decorative. Mm. If you are in a group that is concerned about players cheating, yeah, um, which some groups are, then a dice tower is great because everybody rolls in the same spot. Everybody knows that's what's rolled because it's right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, yeah, like if I'm going to roll, I'd rather just roll in front of myself. It, it was at first, it was like a fun novelty of like, listen to that clank. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, and then after like half a session, I think it was just like, cool, well, let's put that away. <laughs> yeah. But, but much, I know so yeah. many people, you know, it, it's become a popular thing, but I, I think uh, it just is kind of superfluous. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's not yeah it's not something that you necessarily need to be using all the time. Like maybe for newer players just to kind of make it so like – Something that they can focus on, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, okay, you got to roll your dice. Here you go. You know, like, yeah. I don't. Or if I, you're I playing have... with those dummies who don't know how to roll a dice, they just right. oh my goodness. set it down I do on know whatever number like that. <laughs> That's, yeah, that is sort of a thing. Or uh, they're just dice habits. Some dice habits yeah. are really weird. And like, I, one, of the, one of the people I play with, uh, like, before they even like explain what they want to do, they're already like juggling it in their hand. Yeah. And yeah. they will 
they will keep going and going and going. Like they'll 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 be juggling it in their hand for about five full minutes while they're sort of slowly <laughs> explaining what they want to do. And it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. just roll the dice. Right. I've I've also seen people who who um, roll dice as if they're skipping a stone across a lake. <laughs> oh my like, goodness! I know. It's like every game <laughs> we lose twenty dice. Where it's like, would you not? <laughs> strong arm them onto the table like right yes yeah. yeah so yeah a way to control bad dice habits yeah, and, yeah. you know or or you wait, a way to be, be like, passive aggressive about bad dice habits <laughs> yeah or uh or have it to be like a special the special occasion like you know like certain types of roles or like if it's like a, a like a very dramatic moment or something like that you mm-hmm. the, you as the dm you could pull out the dice tower and be like all right you know like you know you're you guys are like you know you're I'm trying to think of an like a dramatic example or something like yeah. that, but like I don't know, like the the during the final battle, if like um, the dragon smashes through the door and yeah, like roll for you know roll for initiative in the tower or something like that sure. for the final battle. I don't know so, something that's going to have a little bit more you know um, you know dr- drama or, to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I recently got a 3D printer, so I have printed <laughs> a whole bunch of dice towers Ooh, that's because. Awesome. <laughs> Some of them look really cool. I, I made one that is, I didn't design it, of course, but it's, it's a little haunted house. Uh, and it's actually designed for the game Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, man. It. Yeah, I love that game. And so it's got a little balcony that is the perfect size for the eight dice that that oh, game uses. That is fantastic. So, I love that. So that's really cool for that. There's also another one I printed that is, uh, it's a little, it's a dice tower that clips onto a DM screen. Now, I, mm-hmm. I don't personally use a DM screen at the moment, but when if I ever do, you can hang it on the DM screen either on your side or on the player's side. Ah. And then if you want the players to see what you're rolling, just roll it, you know, drop it into there. Mm. That's maybe so, if all the players are not sitting next to the DM because maybe. the DM is like weird or smells. You can, you can coax <laughs> hey, them to hey, sit closer. Hey, was that a personal attack? <laughs> <laughs> you smell through the microphone. Yeah. You always smell so, like a campfire. <laughs> so um, I, I think the Dice Towers, they... I, I don't really think they are necessary, but they mm-hmm. can look cool. And, you know, some people want them for various reasons. So, yeah, I, I guess would never it also turn helps. one down. But yeah, absolutely. I guess it also helps probably with like randomization to maybe uh, to a better degree. Like you're saying, sometimes when people roll, they lay it down and it's like that didn't get much of a spin. So I guess the dice yeah. tower is, is sort of a best case scenario in terms of really tumbling the dice. Yeah, like I, I think I think I have a weird thing with people who don't like get a good full roll in. I'm like, no, like you know, people who get bad rolls a lot, and I'm yeah. like, it's because you're not actually rolling it. Even yeah. though I'm pretty sure, like statistically, it's all statistics, it's, unless they are positioning it in a specific way in their hand before. every single time, you know, yeah. like that. Because like I remember back in the days, Steve used to just kind of drop it. Yeah, and I'd be like. And like you know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. A lot of times, he wouldn't roll really well, and and he'd be really upset about it. Like, well, but maybe if you actually <laughs> rolled it, maybe it would. It would. I don't know. It might land on something better. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I personally feel like that's more of a superstition. Right, exactly. Than it, it it more it most definitely is, but <laughs> it just it feels better. Sure. Um. And then uh, just one more from Peter K, which I, I sort of uh, I sort of mentioned earlier. He said, "If you're not the host or the DM, then you bring snacks." Mm-hmm. And I think mm. I think that's a perfectly reasonable rule for everybody to abide by. Yeah. Really, anytime I'm going to be at somebody else's house, if uh, if I can, if if it's a a, a food related uh, food related gathering, like mm. I'll try to bring at least like few bottles of pop or something mm. um if it's if it's like a board game night i make sure to bring board games you know yeah that yeah. sort of stuff yeah, i make yeah, sure and like, always bring either a candle or clothes that no longer fit me what, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> just just to kind of give it away to people. It's just like, to unload the items work. in my house I no longer want. <laughs> there you go. Because because you started that with a candle, I thought, is this some sort of weird ritual? Yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you light the candle. You lay out the clothes that no longer fit. Clothes. <laughs> All right. Um, do you guys have anything uh, anything else for, for this one? Nope. Thank you to, okay. to Peter K for sending in those questions. And yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Peter K. All right. Our next question comes from Stiltskin Kupo eighty four on Discord. What is your favorite pr- race to play as? Any uh, like any any race from D anD D or Pathfinders and so on. And then and why? Yeah. So uh, Adel, when you play uh, when you play a game, what are your favorite races to play as? So so far, like I said, I've only been in two campaigns, and both times I've played a wood elf. So okay. I definitely like having um, a bow and arrow. I definitely like being a like a distance striker, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. You, like, what's the I don't know the best way to articulate that is being someone with range. Yeah, just yeah. a, a range character. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the only thing I know. Um, okay. Do you guys have recommendations? If I were to play in another game or start a second game, do you have any suggestions in terms of? Is there anything where you can like? ride a lion or like <laughs> well i mean yes but it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be race-based it'd more probably more be more class-based gotcha yeah. wow when you say it like that it really uh sounds like, <laughs> yeah i sounds like something I, a bit, a I, bit I just more. i just realized that i'm like is there any race that like rides a lion it's like well <laughs> anyone well, I mean, can ride well, a lion and also no one can well actually right. on that suggest uh, on that on that uh like you know anything that's a small size so like gnomes and and, and halflings have an easier time finding things that they can ride so sure, like mm-hmm. they can ride riding dogs and things like that so um, i think if i if i were to play again i i and not not joking i think i would play a kanku okay cuz i feel like that would be so much fun to just like almost speak and like threats or something or just like, <laughs> use like, their own words against them use literally. their own words but try and like differ up the cadence to where you think you're you're being kind where it's like you gesture towards some for someone to sit down and you're like i'm going to kill you <laughs> right. so it's all like sure. intent but not the actual words i feel like that would be so so interesting to try and finagle to cobble together that that language sure yeah, yeah that could be a lot of fun um i personally i tend to almost exclusively just play humans Boo. Because I know, I know they're <laughs> the boring, worst race. but <laughs> but they it's easiest for me to get into character when I'm playing a human. I would rather play a human with a an interesting backstory and an interesting goal than to play, you know, I don't know how an elf is going to think. Elves have lived, you know, a hundred years or whatever. So to I don't you, know the most interesting that. backstory is like, my name's Mark and I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> I'm in sales. <laughs> I'm an investment banker. But yeah. also, uh, humans are, there There really is, there's no downside. They're not necessarily great at anything, but mm. they're just well-balanced. They can fit into any role. So that's that's my, that's the one I always tend to play as. So humans are perfect, no flaws. Well, <laughs> see, I, I used to play humans all the time just because they got the bonus feet in yeah, third edition, and they get true. and they the variant gets it in fifth edition. So yep. it's like it's it, it like it's really easy to just play a human because you get that extra little you know ability or whatever. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So, but I did that so much in thir- in third edition that I like I'm like nope, never doing. I'm just I'm I'm just staying <laughs> away from humans. I don't like them anymore. But I think I know what Jeff's favorite race to play is. You know you don't. You don't okay, know okay. me. Well, I mean, I, okay. I look. I really do like playing. I have a few, and I yeah. do like playing Warforged, which is from okay. the Eberron campaign setting, yep. which they're basically they're robots. We'll just you know. <laughs> I 
I can get into an argument about how they're not they're, robots, no. but for for your purposes, yes, they are robots. Right. <laughs> I, they're, they're, yes, they are not actually robots. We've been through this. Yes. I agree with you, <laughs> but it's, you know, for, for you know, just just as in layman's terms, like they're 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 like the robots of the D and D world. Sure. Um, and, I'm excited to know, at some point. Del, uh, I went to. I, I was lucky enough to go to like Wizards of the Coast, like the main oh, office, okay. I guess. And uh, a guy named Greg Tito showed us around and gave us a bunch of swag in terms of like books and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I have four or five books that I'm dying to like spend a weekend. I, sh- I should just like rent a cabin and <laughs> spend a weekend <laughs> sure. just perusing pages. Cause I, I still know so little about what's possible. Like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. again, like what races or what types, you know? So I, I, I have such a, a huge blind spot in that regard. So I'm dying to, to just sort of sift through a book and figure out what all the different uh, races are and all the different options are. Cause it seems so cool. customizable. And so like, there's so many interesting things out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, as like the longer uh, an edition lives on, the more and more options that come they, like they publish and people have made through like homebrewing and stuff like that. And people try to carry over stuff from older editions to newer mm-hmm. editions. So there's tons and tons of options to find. Are there demons? Um, Can you play like a demon or something? In well, some ways, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the player's handbook, there is the tiefling, which um, they are like in as they're they're written in the book. They are basically demon people. Uh-huh. They're like people who somewhere in their bloodline, somebody made a deal with a demon. And as such, now all their descendants are. And now they can play the guitar demon. like Robert Johnson. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I basically want to play Beetlejuice in a campaign. Okay. Can I, I mean, that? <laughs> that, that would be, that would be real interesting. <laughs> um, my, my other, uh, my other favorite races are like things, things like I, I play the races that are easy for me to play because I'm bad at role playing. So I play like, like orcs and yeah, uh, like Goliaths, Goliaths, and, and like stuff, you know, things that are like they're usually like brutish or they're not as like civilized. So I can play off the like the like, I don't know, like yeah. I can just kind of like grunt and point if I'm really, you know, if I'm feeling, <laughs> you know, if I'm not feeling it, or you know, the the Warforge, which are just robots. I'm like, oh, I could I could play a robot because you know, I gotta play robot my personality because Jeff is actually a robot. <laughs> the, <laughs> There was there was a there was a long running gag that I guess is still running that that I am indeed a robot. There was a Facebook group that one of our friends made called I think one of my friends is a robot and it scares me. Yeah, and it was a picture of Jeff and half of his face was like a Terminator. Yeah, somebody somebody like MS painted him. MS painted. Yeah, yes. like a like a Terminator face. Gabe, on why does something. why does Jeff keep getting freaked out whenever I get water near him? <laughs> <laughs> no, my circuits. <laughs> oh, I guess you know what? I just realized that I did play a halfling bard in mm, okay. in the Hayward Riddle Patreon. We did a, a four episode D and D arc with with Rush Howell as our DM, mm-hmm. um, and in that I played a, a halfling bard named Duke Lukalele. Oh, so I guess wow, so. I guess I've really played. Good. I've won at one time for four hours. Played a halfling bard. Mm, okay. Half, yeah, halfling and bard are actually like at least in fifth edition. Are they're they? they're real good. They're really good. Like in I've, yeah, I've, I've played. I think I've, yeah, I played a halfling bard before, and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Was that your little old lady that made cookies yes. to give to people? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so when I flavored it instead of uh, songs, she she baked. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, phenomenal. Like that's how she gave everybody inspiration. For whatever reason, the way you said halfling bard made me immediately think of the song "Uptown Girl" by Billy Joel. 
<laughs> so now I'm now I'm, every time I hear Uptown Girl, I'm just going to replace Uptown Girl with Halfling Bard. Halfling there you go. Bard. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. That. Not much. Not much else to this. Uh. To this question. Yeah. Just sort of. I know I'm boring. I like to. I just like to play humans. I think that it's. I, I like having a blank slate and then I can go in whatever direction I want. Mm-hmm. You're just there for the free feet. I, I mean, <laughs> that's part of it. That's part of it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our uh, regular questions for this week. But we do still have our social media discussion questions. Last week's social media discussion question was, have you ever played out a festival or party in game? Mm. How did it go? Yeah. What did you say, Jeff? Oh, well, I just remember... <laughs> There was the water festival, a flood festival, flood festival at, in the Shackled City campaign, which I've which I've played that <laughs> played advent- several times. Yeah, I've played that adventure several times. Various circumstances, you just never can finish the dang thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's like a festival that goes on there during a you know during like a rainy season or something like that. Yeah, so. Adel, when I I ran this for for Jeff and some of our friends a couple of years ago, and. Mm-hmm. I I wanted I had a whole lot of time at work where I was just sitting there doing nothing. So I planned out a whole bunch of like activities for them at this festival. And one of the things I did was I recorded a very short uh, set as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote out a bunch of jokes <laughs> that involved stuff that I was going to have happen at the festival. Yeah. And I recorded it and then I played it for them with like laughter in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's pretty good. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, Adel, have uh, in in your time playing, have there been any times where you guys played out a a festival or a party? Um, to my recollection, we've had one so far, which was uh, a a giant named Malgor had a flying castle. He invited oh. us to be his special guests at a party he was throwing, and so it was kind of different. It was almost like a variety show where there's just these different, like almost like a vaudeville act going on and a one act play written by one of our characters. And uh, so we got to see a little bit of it, but there was also kind of a heist going on. So it turned into almost like a noises off situation where there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, So we only only caught a few glimpses of of the party in in full effect. Okay, cool. But it's very enjoyable. Good. Um, So we got a few responses from our listeners. Some of them are going to be kind of long, so I didn't I'm not going to read all of them. But uh, um, over on Facebook. Uh, our good friend Bridget said, I started my last major campaign with a New Year's festival on the first day of spring. There were a bunch of games to introduce the newer players to mechanics like contestability checks, uncontestability checks, fighting, grappling, etc. I even had a secret contest where one NPC was given a shiny key and whoever had the key at the end of the day won the contest. So the rogues had to identify, tail, and pickpocket this NPC. Then they ended up picking each other's pockets to get it. In the end, one of the players reverse pickpocketed the key into a stable boy's hands, a stable hand boy's pocket. He was big and not very bright, but had a great heart. So he decided, so she decided he deserved to win. Oh, um, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I think uh, I played in this campaign, but I actually missed out on this oh, adventure. So. Jeff, yeah, you missed yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Nathan H. says, My summer one-shot started at a festival of the summer solstice. After the PCs interacted with fairgoers a bit, a magical storm decimated the whole festival, plunging the PCs into a survival adventure. I think that festivals are great for world building, and I would love to incorporate less cataclysmic festivals into my games more often. Mm. I think that's interesting using the festival as as a hook to make everything get real bad, Mm -hmm. rather than just a way to uh, let them celebrate, you know. Here's here's what I want. I want a basically a D&D game that's basically Big Brother. Do you ever watch <laughs> okay. the TV show Big Brother, the reality show? I, I know of it. I haven't watched it. I just it, want though. that. I want, it's just like <laughs> 16 characters under one roof 
for 30 <laughs> days. Every week someone gets voted out. I think that's going to be my next game. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just did a quick Google search mm-hmm. for Big Brother RPG. Uh-huh. There is a website, rpgbigbrother.weebly.com. No. I don't know. It, is I it good? Is again, it funny? I seen, <laughs> well, I haven't seen Big Brother, and this looks real creepy, so I don't know. Uh, don't me, there's, yeah, there's just a weird picture of an eye. Um, <laughs> I don't mine'll, know. Mine will be better. Okay, yeah, okay. It'll be a picture of two eyes. <laughs> there you go. Um, Dan from uh, from Brute Force and Ignorance says, yep, my party attended the Greengrass Festival in Fandolin, complete with archery competition, pie eating, tests of strength, fortune tellers, merchants from far lands selling rare items, the mayor honoring them for their great work, all cum- culminating in their home base being raided by a band of rogues whilst they were distracted. Oh, no. It Damn. went well, aside from the breaking and entry, obviously. <laughs> Uh, we just got one over on Reddit. Timmy Soup says, I did actually as part of the reward for my group when we played the Lost Minds of Fandelver. It was my way of getting them to transition to Tribor as part of Storm King's Thunder. Basically, mm. they were given tickets to the Festival of Ales as VIDs, very important drinkers, which their tickets <laughs> included entry for the festival, tent accommodation for the night, as well as free drinks all afternoon prior to the evening competitions commencing. Tried making up a few games, including a drinking relay, like the boot relay in Beerfest, which basically they had to roll a d20 each time they took a drink and add their constitution modifier. In the end, the team that won was the one with the highest total. As the day progressed, their con would go down based on the number of drinks they'd had. Different drink numbers affected different races differently. Hmm. Uh, over on Twitter, we just got two short ones. Uh, that's Carl with a K says, I tried, but my players were not really into it. So I attacked them with owl bears. <laughs> so yes. there you go. Sometimes you got to crash a party. <laughs> yep. Uh, Margaret Scott said, "Tax fest. Our cleric worshipped Abadar, god of cities and taxes. So we had a feast on April fifteenth. All the players brought special treats for the session. Our DM made us make tax checks. That are those are intelligence checks. If we succeeded, we got a magic item. If we failed, a cursed item. Oh no." So there you go. A tax season festival. <laughs> yep. And then uh, over on Discord, um, I'll try to just grab a couple of these. The Beverage T says, as a player, I tried my best. My DM mentioned preparation for a festival. I asked which festival and received the answer of Dagger Days, hmm. which was sent in Daggerford and celebrated <laughs> all things dagger. Oh, it's <laughs> kind of like Honda Days. There you go. Honda Days. <laughs> it's like Honda it's Days, a- but with daggers. You know. Sure, it's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to really get into it with my character watching a brute bring in live targets for the dagger toss mm. and perusing various stalls for daggery knickknacks and so on. My DM was not having it. The Chamberlain of Daggerford declared his disdain and disgust for the festival and rued the day that the Duchess had announced it. Our party then <laughs> railroaded toward a more significant plot hook for the adventure. That's fantastic. Oh, no. There you go. And then oh um, I'll just say one more. Uh, uh, our good friend Jason, he actually, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he mentioned the Challenge of Champions, which we did in the campaign mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. It was uh, a group of, of Dungeon Magazine adventures where everybody comes together to go through like an obstacle course. And there's uh, it's it's less about roles and more about like the players working out puzzles. And stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I ran one of these and that's when you guys had to put, uh, you had to put paper bags on your 
feet. Right. Yeah. You. You. It was like a. It was a puzzle Zachary's? that involved. Oh. <laughs> well. So. So these are all puzzles, and I. I love to have uh, physical props whenever possible. And this particular puzzle involved. There were a whole bunch of boots. Two of them were magical boots of flying. The others were all identical, but there was no way to tell except putting them all on and then saying the magic word and hoping they worked. So the players had a time limit and I made, I just got paper bags and wrote like letters on the side and they had to try on all the pairs and quickly shout out the mm-hmm. the command word and see if yeah. it worked. Or wasn't it like there was a, there was a few command words that you had to try. Or I think the command word, you could flip it upside down and it read and it was a different word. So yeah. you had to try both. <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, so that was last week's social media question. This week's social media discussion question is, and this isn't necessarily gaming related, but what is your favorite genre of books to read? Mm-hmm. So to the two of you, what uh, is your favorite genre? Boy, I mean, I guess uh, I'll be boring and say currently it is fantasy. Okay. I, I like fantasy. I also like um, mystery. So I've, I'm currently reading a book called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Oh, okay. Which is a really mm. cool murder mystery where it also involves time travel, where Ooh. this guy has to solve a crime. And it's basically Groundhog's Day meets like uh, um, a Poirot, where it's like this guy keeps dying. And every day he wakes up in the body of a new host who was at a party and witnessed a murder. Oh, And he has huh, to solve it by the time he gets to the eighth host that he, he inhabits. So it's a really cool thing playing with like perspective and time travel and what what ripple effects you can cause every every cycle um so I'm, I'm really obsessed with that book right now and then yeah i also love like brandon sanderson patrick mm-hmm. rothfuss uh any sort of fantasy um book okay what was the name of that uh, of that groundhog's day one again the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle okay i think the, I'll the put author's that the, name is like stuart turton or something stuart turton sure mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find it that sounds really interesting i might uh, it's might fantastic check that yeah. out. um uh, well, actually, let me let me ask you a question, Adel. Do you like high fantasy or low fantasy? Uh, I enjoy high fantasy. Okay. Yeah. How would you distinguish low fantasy? What would you? I I mean, I think it's like how much magic there is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's basically how like. So, like, would Discworld be low fantasy fan- and oh, well, it's high fantasy? Okay. Well, I I, I I I don't know enough of Discworld. I'd say I'd say it's high fantasy because there is a lot of like. It was like the like the gods play a role and then death shows up yeah. and there's like the so all the wizards and stuff like there is there a well known series that would would uh, be a good example of low fantasy? I would say something like something like Game of Thrones. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there is a lot of there is like magic and stuff involved, but it's like gotcha. it's 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 more about the politics than anything else. Sure, gotcha. sure. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoy like I'm currently in the middle of uh, the Stormlight trilogy or Stormlight archives for Brandon Sanderson. Okay. Um, and getting into like Mistborn and that's definitely like, there's a lot of magic and a lot of rules to that magic and everything about how it works and doesn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like some people would say like Lord of the Rings is more low fantasy too, just because it's like the, like, again, it's like the, there's magic in the world Mm -hmm. and it plays a key part in the setting, but not necessarily the characters don't really have it. Yeah. Like none of like, you know, I mean, one of the characters is, well, a, a wizard and there's only like five wizards in the world. Pippin, yeah. sure. Pippin yes. <laughs> Pippin, we all remember yeah, that Pippin owns house, right? Yes. <laughs> Pippin the White. Yep. Oh, right, yeah, Pippin the White. <laughs> um I would I would probably say like at least especially lately I've been kind of on a like a modern fantasy kick. So mm. um 
probably modern fantasy. I, I also like mysteries. So like, you know, a good murder mystery, I'm on board, whether it's fantasy or not. Ooh, yeah. Um, I just bought all, uh, I guess not all, but I just bought like 64 um, uh, paperbacks Agatha Christie because I've never read any oh. of those. Okay. So I'm trying to collect them all. So I just bought a lot of those books. So I'm excited to dig into them. Sure. I have a horrible attention span, so I don't do a whole lot of reading myself, but I do I do enjoy fantasy fiction or like fantasy fiction and like sci fi and stuff like that. So I'm sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, whoa. Uh yeah, yeah, like and I mostly just like audiobooks and, 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 yeah, and I, like but yeah. A lot of like the few books that I've actually physically read, like I, like I've gone back and listened to them through again and on on audiobook and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's like I don't know. I like rereading series. So like I've I've gone through Harry Potter a number of times yeah. ever since you know ever since that came out. And uh, and Jeff, you just feed pages into your stomach, right? And that constitutes reading it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I That's guess how that works. I have, you yeah, said your favorite slot. book is zero one one zero zero. Right. Yeah. It's like a yeah, it's like it's a coding it's a coding book or something. <laughs> it's like a dollar feeder at a at a at Oh a, so, yeah, sometimes the page comes back out. You gotta <laughs> you gotta fold the corners a little bit so they, they gotta rub right. it up against the corner to flatten it out. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Gabe, I, f- I feel like every episode from this point forward you should get you should dedicate like a thirty second segment that's just a Turing test for Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that we'll so like maybe we'll do that for yeah. one of our bonus episodes and before we go to a, a close here uh jeff real quick what is love <laughs> baby don't hurt kiss. me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay well so that was uh that was the social media questions uh for for this week um so that'll do it for our questions uh but before we close out let's uh i guess let's let's wind down a little bit mm-hmm. before we uh, before we move on to the next segment, let's uh, let's relax. Let's remember those who have come before us. Let's remember those who have given their lives so that we may live in a better world as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. So, Adel, you have a uh, a character death story. Is that correct? Yeah, so I think one of the most memorable deaths in our campaign, uh, it was not, nobody in our party. We haven't had anybody in our party die. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were facing off against someone who um, the DM later told me that this person was supposed to escape. Like the plan was that it would be an ongoing battle that we'd keep meeting up. Yep. Um, so basically this player, this um, um, this villain had a necklace of, it's like some sort of fire. Um, necklace of fireballs? Yes, yeah, so it's a necklace of okay. fireballs. So basically, I think I might see where this is going. Go on. They go on. were they. Um, we were fighting them. They were a class way higher than us, so they're kind of whomping on us. And we got to a point where it's almost like a Mexican standoff, where the the guy held up his necklace of fireballs and started to walk backwards. And he just said, "Like, let me go, or I'm going to blow us all up." Yeah. Um, and as he slowly got further and further away, I had um, I had like a year previously bought an arrow that I forget the name of it, but it was basically like if I shoot it, it will not miss. Um, okay. it's, it's like a surefire hit arrow. Um, so I had two arrows, one that was never going to miss. We don't know how much damage it's going to do, but it will always hit its target. And I had another arrow that was, if it hits, which it may not, it deals maximum damage. So I pulled out the one that will always hit, um, rush our DM was like, 
all right, he's uh, obviously the guy who's holding the, the necklace of fire is getting antsy and might might blow us all up. So be careful because you might kill the entire party. A uh, little TPK. So the guy slowly backs away further and further and further. And finally, I say I, I let loose my arrow. And Rush said that his guy started to throw the necklace. And so it was a roll off to see who got their shot off first. Mm-hmm. And I rolled a natural 20. Mm. So um, I caught the necklace in the air, pinned it to the guy's chest, and he exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and it basically dealt like I think it was like 500 and some points of damage. Uh, so he basically wow. just became like the dust in the wind. Um, right. <laughs> and we we narrowly, you know, we got we got uh, a little bit of heat scorched, but but that's the worst of it. So that was definitely something where the entire party just like cheered when I rolled that natural 20. And it was something yeah. where, where Rush was like, yeah, I planned on having that be a continued uh, boss or, or villain throughout the whole series. Um, but now it's someone who has been blown off the face of the earth. <laughs> nothing pretty good. Nothing guarantees the death of a villain more than the DM's plan to have it be a reoccurring. Yeah, villain. exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, the thing about a, a necklace of fireballs, if if that is what it, what the item was, is that uh, it's it's got all these. You've got a bunch of fireballs basically you can pull off and throw, but they can all go off. Yeah, at the same time while they're oh, still yeah. on the necklace. Right. Yeah. So it's like yeah, so many beads, and like each bead is a different level of fireball. But yeah, yeah like they can set each other off. So, <laughs> but it, it was definitely oh, right. it was definitely a thing of I got some sideways glances because if I would have rolled an eight or something, we, we could have all been dead. So, sure, it, it was sure. a gamble, and I was I was dumb enough to pull it off. Right. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess let's. Uh, you you sort of uh, mentioned a, a song earlier, so. Let's raise a glass in memory of uh, this. What was the bad guy's name? Oh, I believe it was Boopaloop. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's raise a glass in memory of Boopaloop, who was shot through the heart and you're to blame. <laughs> Clank. <laughs> See, because he said dust in the wind. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't know of an easy way to fit that into it. They're, ver- they're very similar songs. Yes, sure, sure. Both sung by Bon Jovi. <laughs> um, all right, well, so that was uh, that'll do it for our episode today. Adel, do you want to tell our listeners once more about yourself, about your uh, where they can reach you, anything you're working on, whatever else you want to say before the end of the episode? Oh yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, check out the podcast "Hello from the Magic Tavern," which is going to be improvised fantasy. It's really enjoyable. And uh, "Hey Riddle Riddle," which is me and two friends um, doing a podcast where we try and solve riddles and puzzles and do, uh, improv scenes along the way. It's a really good time. Check out our Patreon for Hey Riddle Riddle. And, uh, you can come see me if you're ever in Chicago, come to IO theater and you can come see me in the show world news tonight that plays every Saturday at 8 PM. Um, so, uh, come see a show, stick around afterwards and say hi. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show, Adel. All right. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, on Reddit at r slash interpartyconflict, on our interparty Discord, or on Twitter at inpartyconflict for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. 
Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is our YouTube channel where we play video games. Yes. And speaking of video games, check out my side project, the Arcade Memories Podcast. If you'd like to submit your own childhood memories of going to the arcade, record them or write them to me at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless, the Hacker's RPG. So, Adel, until next time. Jeff, describe a soul <laughs> without using numbers. <laughs>